0: Welcome to the podcast of JanetMichelle.com. Tune in and hear from women representing diverse business industries, sharing their glow-up moments, imparting knowledge, and offering tips that support women in becoming the best version of themselves in life and business. This is a podcast you do not want to miss. hey 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 beautiful people welcome to the janet michelle podcast with your blogger bestie janet michelle today's guest is ann Hurst, district 5 city council candidate voting takes place on august 27th make sure your information is updated and that you know the polling location council members represent you be sure you put the right people in place local elections are vital to your existence as a city resident Hello, hello, hello. This is Janet Michelle, your blogger bestie, and I have with me uh, today uh, Miss Anne Hirsch, and she's going to introduce herself to you further.
1: Uh, well, first, I just want to appreciate you for having me on, Janet Michelle. And yes, my name is Anne Hirsch. I am a longtime resident of St. Petersburg, Florida. Uh, I'm 61 years old. I'm a mother and a grandmother. Um, I'm also a practicing midwife, Um, so I'm a primary care provider and do home birth with women. Um, And I am running for city council on a platform of unity through reparations. And I come to this platform after 20 years of activism, working under the leadership of the AHUR movement, Um, going into the white community and actually raising reparations to uh, the projects of the Black Power Blueprint, which are self-determination projects um, around the world uh, for um, Black power, economic, political power in the hands of um, the Black community or the African community. So I have been doing that for 20 years.
0: Wow. Wow. So you are very seasoned <laughs> at what you are doing. And um that's actually a breath of fresh air because oftentimes, you know, we have people that run for office and sometimes they like when you do your research, it's like they weren't that active before they started running. But that's not the case with you. Everything that you're about and everything that you, you know you have on your platform you've always done that you know so to run for office it's like the icing on the cake really because you've already been mm-hmm. at that work um so that is very uh, very good to hear I'm also excited to hear that you are a trained midwife that is awesome <laughs> that is really, really
1: awesome thank you
0: yeah, that, yeah that's awesome so I noticed on your platform um one of your one of the things you would like to address is actually build, uh, building women's health programs to address disparities faced by black mothers and children. Do you, uh, can you expound upon that? What that what that particular piece would look like? Would it involve legislation programs or things of that nature should be elected for city council?
1: Yes, I'd be happy to tell you more about that. I think it's really important that these programs be developed run provided by the people in the community Mm -hmm. Um, I think so often um, outside agencies come in and have such a sort of um, either condescending or worse kind of view of the people that they're serving and so um, you you spoke with Akile Anai I think it was last week and she and I are running on the same platform for different districts. Mm -hmm. And um, what actually inspired us to put this on uh, the platform was that we went to visit a program that was developed by um, a young black woman here in St. Petersburg. She's a mother, a nurse, and a doula. Mm -hmm. And she has a program to support women prenatally um, and postpartum. So she's not providing prenatal care, labor, birth, and postpartum care, but she's providing a support network, a place where women can come and they can, you know, ask for whatever it is that they want. Do they need breastfeeding support? Do they just need a break to sit down and put up their feet and someone will hold their baby for half an hour for them, you know, but it's women of the community serving other women. So it's about self-determination. It's not about charity. It's, um, do you understand what I'm saying?
0: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. As, as far as directing resources to put them really back inside the community into programs that are there to service. The community, because what we see so time, so many times often, it's like you'll have a program or a service come into the community, but the community doesn't have a direct ownership of it, right? It's someone from outside of the community coming in, dictating how things are run. And that's counterproductive, especially when we're talking about this topic as far as disparities by um, faced by Black mothers and children. And I was just, um, when I was on the interview with Akili, I was just Taking a bet by the, the the stats for Pinellas County, um, eleven out of every one thousand babies born to Black mothers died in two thousand and seven, and that that was more than double the rate of death deaths of babies born to white mothers. And you know those stats were derived from the Florida Department of Health. And it's like we that's not talked about enough, you know. And so again, to for you to um, you know be in that line of work, and then to also know a person that, that does it, and then they have other services that cater to the community, I think it's an added bonus. And to have a real advocate um, for women's health programs uh, that that are designed to address the disparities, I think that's even greater.
1: <laughs> yes, and I think it's really important that, I mean, I really appreciate your understanding what I was Talking about, and I think it's really important that. And throughout this platform, any place that we are addressing something, we're saying that we trust the people that um, we trust the people to solve their own problems. Mm -hmm. Like we have in our platform about homelessness, and we have. that being led by people who don't have homes so that they can say what it is they want and need because we trust the people and we know that public safety and wellness and all of the things that the people need that the people can generate that and so often government is just like it's like a band-aid you know Politicians put it out there because they have to, but not because they really mean it. Mm -hmm. And we mean it. We trust that the people can take care of themselves given the resources. So a big part of this campaign is about reallocating where the tax dollars go. Mm -hmm.
0: And uh, speaking about uh, trusting the people in homelessness, I noticed on your platform, you also spoke, speak about uh, ending gentrification of the black community and creating genuine affordable housing. And I know that is a serious pain point with this current administration is that um, the balance be- with the new projects and existing projects, it's off kilter. Like There are so many, you know, projects that don't consider uh, that don't include affordable housing. I think there are 16 I was reading somewhere. Um, that have been approved, 16 projects that aren't affordable housing in nature that have been approved by this uh, current administration. And so um, okay. the, the gentrification piece, it is really, it is really important. And having someone that's intentional, that have they built, you're intentional about including this in your platform, and I think it's really necessary. So uh, can you share with me, like, what are some ideas that you have um, outside of uh, giving, you know, letting the people who, for example, with homelessness, letting those people having a say, you know, inviting them in on the conversation because they know firsthand what it is that they need. What are some other um, ideas or some other policies um, that you would like to see as far to, as far as ending uh, gentrification? in the black community?
1: Well, the main point of our platform is reparations to restore what has been destroyed. So, um, you know, over the years, there's been infusions of capital into say um, to develop the dome or to develop this, what's now the sundial or to pave the Hilton parking lot. I mean, there's federal monies, there's Iowa tax dollars that have been used to subsidize development in the white community. And what we're saying is enough is enough. Um, We don't want to be giving corporate welfare to real estate developers. You know, we want to redirect that money in reparations to the black community give back the land under the dome to the black community. And then with that infusion of capital that the black community can create affordable housing, um, business districts, cultural districts. Um, I mean, years ago, um, the man who is the head of the Ahura movement, the leader of the Ahura movement, Omalia Shatella, in 2000, he ran for mayor. And he put forward this beautiful vision of an African village. You know, and and instead of that, the city put money into the sundial, which is just a place that like I never go. You know, I don't, uh, tourists go there. I don't know very many people from the city that go there. But just think what would have happened if in the year 2000, that capital, our tax dollars, instead of being dumped into this dome, or the sundial, or a million dollars for a piece of flying art at the base of the pier, mm-hmm. um, if it had been put into the black community, returned to the black community. You know, this is this is money for wages lost, um, lives lost, um, opportunities never offered. You know, this is this is a. We're saying we need to return what's been stolen from the black community. And then that capital can be used to create something really beautiful on the south side of St. Petersburg instead of the poverty that's here. And instead of the city's policy of pushing out the poor and working class black community, we're saying return what's been stolen and then create something really beautiful that people from all over the world are going to want to come to. Um, the Chairman Omar used to, at, at used to say people fly over St. Petersburg to get to the Caribbean, you know, they can stop here and get African culture, you know, um, food and culture, music. Um, so, and it within that plan then the people can develop also affordable housing inside of that economic development plan. Okay,
0: okay. Now I do have a question. If okay. Okay, you're elected and you're, you're on city council, how would you convince those that do not share your vision and your passion for really bringing about transformational change um, to South St. Pete? How would you um, How would you work with them to help get them on board?
1: Well, I think that the dollars and cents speaks for itself. So we have, you know, we have like the status quo of the way things have always been done. And I think we just have to show that this is an investment in our city that is positive. And when we invest in this way, instead of an $84 million police station, which we know is going to be used to profile, brutalize, possibly murder African people, black citizens in our city, you know, that, in, that is not an investment. That is money that's used to oppress. And we're talking about taking that level of money and investing it in the community that uplifts people. It is a uh, joyful vision. It is a positive vision. And it will uplift the whole community. So it's just redirecting resources and changing where you're putting your policy. And the thing is, is that police never create safety. They don't. And we know that we can see it all over the United States. It's just this old way of thinking, this status quo. So I think it's not so much that we have to convince the, the city government, we have to convince the people in this city and I can tell you, we've been going out and doing door to door and the people in this city are united with this positive vision. People are tired of this negative, we have to have more police. We're just gonna build all these high rises and we don't care about regular people. The majority of the people in this city are tired of that. Mm-hmm.
0: And that is uh, great to hear. And, and definitely um, the policing of, of the community of the black community and mm-hmm we also talked about on the last interview with Akilah is the um, how much of the budget that they consume in the name of public safety. And when you think about it, crime is actually going down and yet they've invested, you know, all these millions of dollars into um, a facility. And then they're getting ready to invest more dollars. You know, where is, that voice on council, that voice is needed, not where is it? it's just not there. That voice is needed on council to kind of bring back a check and balances to things because as it stands right now, it doesn't appear, um, you know, to, to be there. So what are your thoughts on how much of the, um, the police department, how much of the budget that they consume and uh, nobody really questions if it's justified or not You know, it's just they're under the guise of public safety. So what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, um, you know, that's not what I want for my city. Um, I want to have my city, my tax dollars invested in the people, because we know that when people can feed, clothe, and house themselves, when they are uh, able to be self-determining that is what creates public safety Mm -hmm. and so that's why i'm saying i firmly believe that we redirect that money um to reparations uh to economic development in the neighborhoods um Mm -hmm. Okay. okay You know, we're we're talking about improving the quality of life for the majority of people in this city, Mm -hmm. and right now, this city is focused on, like, becoming another West Palm Beach,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and most of the people in this city don't want that. That's for people who are coming from out of the city and moving here. That's not for the long-term residents, and I've lived here since I was three, and there are a lot of people in this city who've lived here for generations. And the city council is not addressing those people and the welfare of those people. Mm-hmm. You know, the majority of the citizens. And I think that people are tired of it. Yeah, you see is- all this development. You know, the who is the guy from New York? Is it John Kastram- Titus? So this guy from New York came down and bought a whole city block Mm -hmm. and is now, like, donating to Darden Rice's um, mayoral campaign. He donated to the other mayoral campaigns a couple of years ago. So he's coming in here. He's making a profit, and he's not investing in this city. He's investing in what he wants for himself. Right. And so we're calling on the de- on a tax on developers. Mm-hmm. We're saying that when developers come into this city, they need to pay a tax to fix the sewage infrastructure, to update the sewage infrastructure that they are stressing. Mm-hmm. They need to pay a reparations tax to invest in the people in this city. I mean, we, we need to change in cities all around this nation. We need to change... How we're thinking about it and the policy we're making because as we all know, it's a, a small percentage of people who are making all the money and we have to have build a groundswell of support to fight back against that because a lot of people complain about it because we feel like, you know, politicians are bought and paid for and there's nothing we can do. But in this city election, We have an opportunity to elect two candidates who are going to stand on a platform. We're actually the only candidates that have laid out a platform that the people of St. Pete can hold us accountable for. And we're in here because we want to fight for the people and for this platform. We are not career politicians just looking to have a paycheck. Both of us have been activists, Um, me a lot longer than Akile, but only because She's a lot younger than I, and she has been a powerful leading activist. You know, I've worked under her leadership, even though she's 22. I mean, she's a power, powerful, powerful young leader. And so we really feel like this is something that's going to take hold and be like wildfire across the United States once we get in here and we begin to create a city that is paying reparations, that's returning what's been stolen, that's be creating a just place for all people to live, a place where everyone can thrive, we just need to change the narrative of what people think is possible. Because really, all of what we're talking about is possible with the money that is here now. And I think we just have to have a social movement that changes
0: Right. How things
1: are
0: being done, right? And that's what I was gonna say is that right now I do think the timing is right. You know, sometimes some things come along and the people aren't ready for it, and then you have those things that come along, and and it's at the right timing. And I think with uh, reparations now actually being mentioned um, at you know at the federal level with the the presidential candidates, it's not you know because for some people it was it was a far fetched thing. But that's only because of ignorance. And I don't say that in a in a negative way. Being ignorant, it just means that you're unlearned, that you don't know. That's it. You know, at the end of the day, you're unlearned and you're not aware, or you you've listened to somebody tell you something and they didn't really fully fully understand what it was they were explaining. So I think to a certain degree that happened with reparations, but now it's being really interjected at the, you know, on different with different candidates now running, they're talking about it on urban, in urban media markets now you know, and non-urban media markets now. for you um, to bring bringing it back to the local level and having a platform that is genuinely for the people and by the people, you know, my hope is that, or it, this is a, a message, I'm not surprised that people are receptive of it, right? Because it's time. And it's almost like they're already being primed. So for you to come out and to have reparations as a a big part of your platform, it, it should not be foreign at this point. You know, is there always room to educate people? Absolutely. While you're out on the campaign trail, absolutely. Educate them on what it is and just how they can benefit from it. There's always room for that, but it shouldn't be so foreign to people you know, now, at least that, the way I'm, I'm looking at it and listening to different, different
1: things. So it's actually a good, the time well,
0: right for it.
1: I really appreciate what you're saying. And can I say a couple of things about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that didn't just happen. It was actually the AHURA movement that determined back in the 1980s that they were going to make, um, Reparation is a household word. And for 10 years, once a year, they had a tribunal where they brought African people from all over the United States, all over the world. And they actually held a tribunal over a few days, showed evidence and had a jury and determined how much reparations was due um, to African people who had been put in chattel slavery, brought to the United States. And that was what they determined was only about the, 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 the slavery, the labor, the money for the labor that was unpaid. And of course, we know there's so much more than that. So that's what was happened in the 1980s. Um, and then Chairman Amalia Shetela ran on a platform of um, Citizens United for Shared Prosperity in 2000, where they continued to push this forward on the local and national level. And then in 2017, the H.E.R. movement ran Jesse Neville for mayor and Akile for District 6 actually on this platform of unity through reparations. So I want your listeners to know that we are coming from the tradition of activism that has made this issue here. It's not like, oh well, we're really lucky because right now reparations everyone's talking about it. No. The the people that are supporting this campaign and putting these campaigns forward are the people who opened up this discussion nationally over the last 40 years. And so, you know, here we are. We're people who've been involved in this for many, many years moving this forward. So people, you know, knowing that history, they can know that we can make things happen where other people haven't been able to, because there's a track record here showing that things have been made to happen. And it was, in fact, when when Jesse and Akile were running that the Breakfast Club interviewed them, and they talked about unity through reparations, and this was even two years ago, People said, "Oh, you're crazy! You can't run on this. You can't say this out loud." But you know, the room had determined we're going to do this. And so then, the Breakfast Club interviewed them, and that, and um, because of a um, a really nasty white guy, um, all of this went viral because of his response to it. But it did go viral, and then the Breakfast Club interviewed them. Ebony interviewed and put Akilay in, in her mat in their magazine. And it was the Breakfast Club this year that was the first interviewer to ask the first Democratic um, presidential um, hopeful if what they thought about reparations. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I just want your listeners to know uh, the fact that we're running on this and we're back to finish what we started is um, because this work has been being done for You know decades and decades so we know what we're doing we know what we're talking about we have experience and they can count on us to continue to change history
0: now who um um, and i asked this what what is your what is your why what keeps you getting up every day um fighting for others uh, for a better life and for a better life for yourself if you will what is your why? What is it that keeps you up and ready ready to roll? What is it?
1: Um, well, I'm sure you've heard of like coaching programs where, you know, like you want to better your business, so you get a coach and you can, so I, uh, about, I guess, nine years ago, I went through a coaching program, you know, to kind of lay out my life and what did I want to create and, you know, what did I want to see happen And it was really interesting because in that program, there was a lot of people saying, well, I want to have a a winter home and a summer home. I want to have this vacation and that vacation. And, you know, I went through this six-month program, which was a values clarification and how do you create what you want. And when I got done with that, I really just came to the conclusion that what I wanted was to be able to stand on my front porch and this is what I said to myself. I want to be able to stand on my front porch and know that every person on the planet has what they need to eat, a place to live, and the resources to be creative because I know we have our re- we have plenty of resources for every person on the planet to have that. We just need to redistribute the resources equitably. So, you know that that is I mean, it's not because I'm altruistic, really. It's because that's the kind of world that I want to live in. Mm -hmm. I I know that the people starving in Yemen, you know, that that's directly related to my government intervening around the world. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of like the big picture. And now we bring it back to the local level. And I know that on the south side of St. Petersburg, there are people experiencing those same kind of conditions that we see in Yemen. And it, the times and the, the St. Pete times or the Tampa Bay times just won't publicize that. So, um, I don't want to live at the expense of anyone else. And that's, you know, it's because I want to live in a world of peace and opportunity for everyone that I don't want to have to get up in the morning and read about the latest um, young black man who's been killed by the police or, you know, the latest war that the United States is waging or um, families who are m- moving um, from Central America trying to come back into the land that used to belong to them before the United States, you know, went to war and stole it and trying to come back into their land and being horribly treated by the United States. It's like, That's not the kind of world that I want to live in, and what I'm so grateful for is when I met the Ahur movement. I met a movement that really had an incredibly positive vision, and um, you know, and the ability, and um, the knowledge, and the experience to make it happen. And there's not a lot of those sorts of organizations on the planet, so I'm here as a member. Um, working under the leadership of the Hur movement as a member of the, their Solidarity Committee, you know, um, moving forward locally, this idea of reparations, because I know that's going to create a city where everyone can thrive and then I don't have to get up in the morning and wonder who's going to get killed today, who's starving today, you know?
0: So um, you, you're, you're right in the midst of your of your campaign trail, what events do you have coming up? Um, how can the listeners find out more about you? Um, your, can you give them your social media information, all that good stuff?
1: Yes, I can. Um, I have to put on my glasses so I can read this. Um, okay. So people can email me at contact at They can go to my website, votehersh.com. There they can um send a there's a way that they can volunteer there's a way that they can donate you know we are not funded by big money we're funded by regular people and so if other people want to join in this vision of a city that works for everybody um then they can we really are asking that they donate you know we need um palm cards we need uh yard signs uh, we need t-shirts um, we want to send out a mailer to everyone in the district you know and that takes money so it doesn't take millions of dollars we've got boots on the ground out doing a lot of the work but it does take thousands of dollars um, there's also every thursday um, an open meeting for the campaign it begins at 7:30 p.m at Saint Pete Community Acupuncture, which is 1624 Central Avenue, so people can come there, and we give reports from the field director, from the social media director, from the phone banking director. Um, you know, the candidates speak. Um, our campaign managers um, lay out. You know, what's next, so people can really come and hear what's happening and see how they can get involved. Mm-hmm. I also have a campaign kickoff barbecue Um, and I don't know where you live, but I want to invite you to come, Janet Michelle. Um, It's at Maximo park, um, which is sunshine skyway lane um, at the end of the Pinellas point drive. So it's right there on the water in district five. It's a, I think it's a County it's either a County or a city park Um, and it's really nice there. So, you know, people can come and have some barbecue and talk to the candidate and meet other people who are involved in the campaign.
0: Okay. And when is when is that
1: again? That is Saturday, June fifteenth, from four PM to six PM.
0: All righty. And is there anything um, you wanted, anything else you wanted to leave the listeners with
1: before we close out? Um, Well, there were a couple of things on the platform that we didn't address. And if I have just a couple minutes, I would like to say that we're really talking about fixing the rigged election system in St. Petersburg, that there's a two-tiered system, the, the district's vote, and then it goes the top two vote getters in the district. Then go to the whole city and this being a majority white city, 23% black. Then, um, the majority of the city has in the past, there's precedent for what we're saying and will continue to override the will of the district. Who the district, you know, was the top vote getter. Also, we really, um, are uh, going to fight against this, um, rolling back of amendment 4 that the legislators and the governor have done you know the the people of Florida said we want people who've committed felonies once they've commit once they've completed their incarceration their parole or probation then they should be able to vote that was what the the citizens of Florida said And now the legislature and the governor are adding on these other things. Oh, you have to uh, pay restitution. You have to pay any fees that, you know, all of these things are adding on top. Mm -hmm. Whether or not people feel like those things need to happen, that's not a condition for what the amendment said to be able to vote.
0: Right.
1: And then the other thing that we're really working for is workers' power that the city workers that again trusting the experts and the people and that the city workers when they make a determination that the mayor can't override it like they said you you should not close the downtown sewage plant the mayor did it anyway and then ended up dumping um, sewage on a black community and then billions of gallons of sewage into tampa bay and causing a uh, a health crisis in the black community and an environmental crisis in the whole city, you know, and surrounding area. So we really are for workers' power, and we will create a situation in the city where the workers and the departments really do have power.
0: And as I as I shared before, I'm I'm personally excited about a, a platform that is really um, people centered. And uh, it's designed uh, for the people. So, and only good, you know, can come of that. And I think um, the time has been passed for just newness to be, as far as, like, government and things of like that. It's just time for something new. It's We've been doing things in this city the same exact way. Yeah, they can repackage it and put another bow on it. But when you open up the package, it's still the same old stuff, you know. And for the past 30, it's been longer than 30 years, but... Um, I guess I'm just speaking to my age and how long you pay attention and you follow things and nothing of substance has really happened. You know, you've had a few bursts of success and a few markers of success, but nothing really transformational, nothing that really puts a halt to generational poverty. Um, nothing, you know, that really empowers people economically, you know, short of little band aid fixes. So the time is, it is now, um it's high time, it's been time uh for uh people who have a vision for the people and they have policies to back up how to implement that vision. And I think that's even that's even better. And so it, it's definitely it will be a win for the people. Um either way. So I just wanna thank you again for agreeing, you know, to the interview or what have you, and I'm sure the listeners will uh definitely gain something from it and my hope is that they go in and research more and look at your platforms and what you're about and become more involved on a grander scale. So thank you so much.
1: Well thank you very much. I appreciate that unity with this whole platform. And you know I want to invite you if you have any time to come and volunteer with us. But um, I, I also just really want to express appreciation for you giving us a platform to put this out to the people.
0: Problem. Well, thank you so much once again, and it's Janet Michelle, your blogger bestie, uh, logging out, and we're closing out our interview uh, with Miss ann Hirsch. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. You're welcome. Bye.
0: Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, hit that subscribe button and share what you loved or learned with us on Instagram at Janet Michelle Blog. Stay in touch by joining our glow up game mailing list at JanetMichelle.com.